give the, uh, this uh, is the, uh, la- this choir's about to take summer break. Uh, we'll have a little reprieve July 30th. Well, let's also give them just another words of appreciation and clap. And thanks to God for y'all for leading us in uh, worship uh, with that uh, um, wonderful and, and perfect uh, song for our occasion today. And just as we've been mentioned, the events in uh, our lives in the last several weeks and even even years um, um, Drew Smith, uh, that get to be the, the pastor here at this particular uh, church at College Hill Presbyterian. And uh, welcome to you that are with us here and online. And today is, um, as we've said, Remembrance Sunday, where we remember uh, our brothers and sisters that were part of us here at this particular um, congregation. We remember those that have died in the last year. Um, uh, they're... Uh, uh, there, there are some who've died in the last week, and we'll remember them next year because their loved ones were like, can we do this next year and not um, tomorrow? Uh, so, But uh, for uh, those in the last year, we remember them as they've moved from the, the church militant to the church triumphant. And so we get to celebrate with them. But as has been said, there has been a lot of death and violence in our lives um, not just in the last couple of weeks, but even the last couple of years. I mean, we're we're getting very close to a million deaths in our country from COVID. We've had in the last several weeks 34 people killed by mass shootings, whether it was in Buffalo or uh, Laguna Woods, California, or Valdi, Texas, and. Our occasion now to remember those that have gone before us. It is important that we regularly understand the place of death and life as followers of Jesus. Maybe that's one of the most significant places. Some of you may... Another thing that just happened this last last two weeks. Um, you know, the most popular television show in the United States today is called This Is Us. And it just ended its sixth season. And if you have opportunity to watch the last two episodes, it is an attempt, a beautiful attempt. Uh, Kathy and I, we loved the show. We, we watched it um, uh, regularly. And we watched uh, that. And, and it, it's an attempt humanistically to try to put a positive spin on death. By humanistically, I mean from a human standpoint. There, there's one scene in the middle of the, the last episode uh, where Randall, one of the sons, starts uh, sounding like uh, Ecclesiastes. You know, what meaning is there in life? And um, the rest of the show tries to do that without ever mentioning God. Uh, without ever mentioning a higher power. And, and so it's, it's worthwhile, if nothing more, just to see what is a, a, a valiant a beautiful attempt to try to find meaning in life and death if there is no higher power. But for us uh, today, we, we don't believe just in a higher power. We, we believe in a God who is personal, a, a God who is engaged in our lives, a God who comes and walks among us, who dies for us, who is raised to new life, to lead us into the fullness of life in the midst of death. So what we get to look at today is what does God's word say to us about the, the resurrection of Jesus 
His life, His death, His resurrection. And what does that mean for us today? How does that lead us to live in hope, in faith, in love, in justice, in joy, no matter what the surroundings, no matter what the the death that is around us? Uh, And we'll be doing that today uh, by looking at 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, you can follow along on your, your Bible in whatever form uh, you you want um, uh, to, to look at that. Or we'll read parts of it from the screen. Don't worry, we won't read the whole thing. Um, but I do commend you to read the whole of 1 Corinthians 15. It's probably, well, it's the, definitely the longest and, and clearest expression of really trying to explore uh, from a Christian perspective our understanding of what happens at death and what is beyond uh, death. Um, uh, so, First uh, Corinthians 15, let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, again, we thank you for your word as it speaks to us of your truth. Now, uh, enable us to hear from you, uh, to apply this in, in our lives um, individually and corporately as a church in, in the midst of the, the reality of what we're experiencing, uh, in the reality of the, the ways that our hearts may be wounded. Jesus, speak to us, lead us, guide us for for your glory, for salvation of the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, and then I'll jump to 12 through 19. You can follow along on the screen also. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Now, one one thing to note, what was going on in Corinth, why Paul wanted to remind them, again, remembrance is a really good thing, to be reminded of these truths. And what was going on in Corinth is, they, they they didn't believe, there's a group of them that were teaching, and folks were starting to believe that there really wasn't a bodily resurrection. That your bodies died and then they were done, but your spirits, they lived on. And they lived with God. As a matter of fact, you could even now experience the fullness of that spiritual resurrection and not worry about this silly body. Uh, And that's what Paul is correcting and why you'll hear him talk so much about the reality of the bodily resurrection of Jesus and our bodily resurrection and why it's so so, so important. All right, verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that's His name for Peter, then to twelve, to, to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep, euphemism for dying. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, He appeared also to me. Uh, now, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of, of the dead? <clears throat> but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. 
We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you're still in your sins. Then those also who've fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. What is central here to understand that if the resurrection of Jesus is not true, then Christianity is not true. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then we need to go home. We're fools sitting here. I'm a, the fool of fools standing up here talking about it. If Jesus wasn't bodily raised from the dead, that's what Paul is saying. It is that essential of a truth. Why? He wanted to remind us of this gospel that Jesus was raised and that Peter saw him. James saw him. There are 500 folks that saw him. If you don't believe in the bodily resurrection, you know, go talk to all those folks that saw him. There's there's a lot of them still around. You can get their eyewitness account. And he appeared to me as well. I've seen him. The resurrection of your body is essential. An essential teaching of Christianity. Because if Jesus was raised and we're with him, then we are raised with him. And if, again, as Paul said, if there's no resurrection, then we're still in our sin. Jesus might have died, but he wasn't raised in victory. If Jesus died and wasn't raised, then death was the victor. Sin was the victor. His, his resurrection is demonstrating how in God death and sin have been defeated and we can be with God forever. We can enter into the holy presence of a consuming fire of a pure, righteous God with boldness because we are clothed in Christ. We are walking in the resurrection of Jesus with God today and forever. Uh, You'll note the end of, or in verse 32, uh, which isn't on the screen, Paul then ends what he says about this by saying, you know, if if the resurrection isn't true, then you guys go off, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. Yeah, if, if indeed there's no resurrection, then if this life is all there is, then what, why are you wasting your time? Go pursue pleasure, pursue whatever you want, go do what you want, make the most of your life right now, because that's all there is. But Jesus, in the power of the resurrection, has conquered sin and death. And we will follow him in that resurrection in our bodies also. Now, at at resurrection, uh, Paul then continues, well, what what exactly happens at this resurrection? What what does that mean that our bodies are raised? Let's jump to verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Sowing not needle and thread, but seeds. You'll you'll get there, he'll get there. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. 
For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from stars in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, (coughs) our earthly body, is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, who is Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been, we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. All right, that's a lot. <laughs> I know. You're like, ooh, okay. Two, two basic things to, to get from this. Um, the, that there are similarities between our, our physical body and our resurrected body, and there are differences. There is continuity and there is discontinuity. The first part that he gets at with the illustration of the seed being sown, being having to die and being raised in a different form, is that there is continuity. That the, the physical body we have now experiences the resurrection to eternal life. What we have now is like a seed. Like a seed of any flower, bush, tree, anything like that. You know, the seed, that, that's what our physical body is like now in Paul's analogy. And that goes into the ground. It dies. And then it's transformed into something that blooms and is, is glorious and beautiful. That's the continuity that he's bringing. There's a similarity. Now, it looks very different. But it's still the same thing. I I think if Paul had known uh, the reality of human reproduction, he would have used human reproduction. One one time there were two very little things that came together that formed you. That then became an, an embryo, then became a fetus, then a baby, and is now you today. That There's continuity in all of those things, but very different forms and how they they look and, and act so for uh, and, and jesus is really the risen christ is a great example of that right so there's jesus in his physical body who died for us then on the third day was raised his resurrection body showed the continuity there there were similarities he still had scars in his hands and his side he, he, he was, sometimes he, he was recognized for who he was. He still had memory of the relation. He didn't have to get reintroduced to Peter after his resurrection. His mind was not wiped clean like a hard drive. You know, he, he, he still had memory and connection with what Jesus had done in the past and could continue to engage in those relationships in his risen 
form. He even sat and ate breakfast with them. He also, there are also differences, but we'll get to that in a minute. <clears throat> what, uh, now, the, the difference between Jesus and, uh, and us is he, he shows the continuity and how clear that continuity is. But Jesus is one who lived perfectly in submission to the Father. I mean, everything he did was what the Father called him to do. He lived perfectly empowered by the Holy Spirit so that everything that he did and thought was exactly as the Spirit would lead him to do it. So in other words, Jesus was God. What he did, God did. Everything that God does is eternal. So for Jesus, there was no judgment between earthly body and resurrection body to destroy the things that he did that were evil. For us, there is. For us, as we move from resurrected, from our earthly body to resurrected body, there is a judgment. The things that we did that were not in sync with Jesus, that were not in sync with the kingdom of God, that were, that were uh, evil, they're destroyed. I mean, they, they are destroyed at the cross, matter of fact, so that we can then be in the presence of God. But those things that are in alignment with God, those things that are in sync with what Jesus would call us to do, they're in the power of the Spirit, those go with us. They're the, the eternal work of God that God is doing in you and me right now. They, they go with us into that life with God for eternity. So there is continuity. Now, uh, on the other hand, there's discontinuity. There, there are changes that our current physical body transforms into a new kind of body for eternal life. And that's all the talk about heavenly bodies having different forms and earthly bodies and heavenly bodies being different in the middle of the, the, the passage. that w- God creates us in different ways, transforming us for different existence. Bodily, res- bodily life naturally in earth... And then a resurrected life with God in the transformed, the new heaven and earth. Now, one way that that transformation, now we think about that. We might have some ideas what that transformation, you might even right now have a little list. Okay, my transformed body. Ah, I think I'd like this, this, this in my transformed body. You might be thinking about that. Well, this is one way, one picture that the transformed body is not going to look like. That, that's just not what the transformed body is going to look like. Uh, the, the, what, what we tend to think, what this tends to say, okay, that's long enough. What, what we, this tends, what we tend to think is that the heavenly body is earth on steroids, literally with the picture. We tend to think it's earth on steroids. And what that shows is how stunted my imagination is. It shows how shriveled my imagination is. It shows how much I've been formed by this world instead of the glorious riches of God. Because there is continuity, who we are now, our even some of our things of appearance, uh, our character, whom God, the, the, the image of God that we bear, that you bear, and that I bear, that, that is part of the eternal reality of God, that is who in you now and in me now. Sometimes it shows forth nicely. Sometimes it's covered up by a lot. That, that continues for all of eternity. But there's also a transformation because we can't even imagine what that day will be like. We can't... Uh, that Mercy Me song had it right, you know? I can only imagine. No, we can't imagine 
because our imagination has been so stunted. I mean, Jesus told us there's a lot of things uh, that are are going to be different here. Paul says it here, you know, we we move from the perishable to the imperishable. You'll note in his, um, in in the passage, we, we move from dishonor to glory, from weakness to power, from natural to spiritual. And and that movement from natural to spiritual is saying that we are in the place of being totally at one with God. Now, Jesus has has told us uh, already, he's already said, there's a lot of things that are different here. In In the kingdom of God, in the ways of heaven, the first will be last and the last will be first. And what Jesus was saying there, he's not giving us a strategy for how to get in line. You know, if, if it's just the last will be first, okay, then I'll just wait so that then I'll be last. And in heaven, that makes me first. You know, that's still all about me. What he's saying, no, this world's all different. The, the ways of this world, you do not get how the ways of God are so different because we're so broken. And, and, and our, our vision as, as the cataracts have blurred it of this world. And, you know, there is a, a, you know, it's in Luke 20 that, that Jesus says there's no marriage in heaven. That's that, sort of shocking, isn't it? Wait a minute. I love my wife. I mean, she, that's one of the greatest pleasures of my life. What, what do you mean there's no marriage in heaven? I'll go so far as to think I don't think there's sex in heaven. I've been in a place where somebody said, no, there's sex in heaven, otherwise I'm not going. (laughs) But I propose to you, that shows how stunted our imagination is. We, We can't imagine the pleasure of being in the glorious riches of our Creator who is just and right and good and so filled with steadfast love. We can't imagine the pleasure of being one with God and what that will be for all eternity. We can't imagine that because we've been so formed by the world instead of His Word. Instead of the character of God. That's why when we sing Amazing Grace, we've been there 10,000 years, but we haven't clicked one day off the calendar. When Jesus returns, all will be transformed, even to the earth. Even the earth will be transformed. Because of his magnificent power and glory. All right, the, the last, last verses, verse 50 through 57. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, it's a secret. It's only been revealed because of Jesus. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. 
For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns, all will be transformed. Even the earth. If you want, if you're taking notes, you want to go look at First Thessalonians four and five. Gives the, the, this order with a little more clarity. Revelation twenty one twenty two talks about the new heaven and the new earth. Everything that is created is then reformed and renewed according to God's glorious wonder. And when Jesus returns, it will be, as Paul says here, the death of death, sin. And the law. Death will be destroyed. Sin will be destroyed. The law will be destroyed. You know what that means? That means when Jesus returns, you and all who are in Christ will not die, will not sin, nor even be tempted to sin. Yeah. Talk about blowing the imagination. Can you imagine that? That's what it says. When the law is destroyed, there's not even any rules. Rules aren't even necessary. Because you and I are so connected with the glory of God, with the wonder of God, then it becomes in your unique personality how God has created you and me, then that we act in the way and think in the way that God has created us to. Can't, I can't even think of words that can describe that reality. Now, now some folks, they can. You know, they're, they're so, so broken and blind, they think, yeah, I can see how I'd get there. Well, if that's the case for some of you, just think about this. Uh, you, you might understand for yourself, but what about your neighbor? Other people who are in Jesus will be so transformed. That they too will live perfectly in the way that they were created by God to live. There will be no death, no sin, or the law, or any rules will be necessary. So what? What does that mean for us today? What is the implication? What is the application for us today? This is the case. This is what eternity is. Well, that's the last verse. Therefore, verse 58, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's say this one together. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You get that reality there? That everything 
that you do, that I do, that we do, that is in sync with Jesus is eternal. Part of our celebration with Jesus when we see Him face to face, part of the the glorious reality that we live into, the fullness of God's kingdom for all of eternity when we are with Him forever. Be immovable, steadfast, always abounding. Devote yourself now to the ways of Jesus because that's what's eternal and nothing else is. I wonder for us to just consider and think about, I mean, Now, there's a lot of mind-blowing stuff in this particular passage, but what are some of the ways that you think that you value the things of this earth that have make no difference in heaven? What are some of the ways, some of the things that that, that you value today that really just won't matter? (laughs) They're they're not a part of of heaven. And recognize those and, and note those and Nope, move on from those. Get, don't, don't give them eternal significance. And on the other side, what are what is one eternal heavenly value that you want to pursue today? That Jesus has, has laid on your heart, the Spirit has laid on your heart today. What is just one eternal heavenly value that you want to pursue? Today, that you, that you, that God's calling you to be immovable, steadfast, always abounding. It's possible. One day it'll be real. One day it'll be real that every one of us will live in perfect sync with Jesus. And He's at work in you and me. No matter how young, no matter how old, continuing that, bringing about that process of transformation even now. And one day we will be with him and it will all be natural and beautiful. But until that day, he's called us now to be that representation, that outpost. Of, of the ways of God's kingdom. That, that demonstration plot of the ways of God's kingdom. To be immovable, steadfast, living according to the character of Jesus individually and as a people. And man, if we don't need any more examples, that yet, yeah, that's what the world needs. That's what the world needs. A group of people who are tied into the eternal one in the reality of eternity so that we live according to the ways of God's glory and beauty and power and honor and joy and not the ways of our society. What a wonderful privilege we have to be able to celebrate today. Those that now have taken that next step, moved out of, of life in this challenging arena and living with the reality and beauty and honor and glory of God 
to the fullest. And what a privilege we have to be able to live that in the the lives that God has created us and the, the people that God has called us to connect with. You've heard it said at times that Christians can be so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good. I think that's a wrong-headed statement. I actually think that it takes Christians to be rightly heavenly minded so that we will be of the highest earthly good. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us be rightly heavenly minded so that we will be immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the highest earthly good because we're rightly heavenly minded. Let's pray.